back. Dear Cosmo Babies, today we are going to be talking to a very special guest, one of my favorite people that is getting extremely popular on TikTok. I'm your host, Annie MacArthur. I have my co-host with me, Russell Mays, and our special guest for today is Richard McDade, aka Badly Shaved Ape on Instagram <laughs> and TikTok. So make sure you hit those follow buttons. I love the name. I love the name. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, welcome to the podcast, my friend. Where now? Where are you located? I am in Fort Worth, Texas. So oh, okay. uh, just just outside of Dallas. Yeah, I've been there. Same. Very nice. I have friends that live there. Lots That's of good people place. in Texas. So how long have you been in the hair business? Uh, I I got my license in 2004. So okay. uh, just hit, what, 18 years? Yeah. And what made you want to go to, to hair school? So I'm actually a, <laughs> so I'm actually a third generation hairstylist. Um, however, you know, I grew up in hair salons, uh, my parents' hair salon. I grew up in my grandfather's barbershop slash hair salon. Mm -hmm. I had zero interest in doing hair growing up you know that was it's just what my parents did it's what my grandparents i've got aunts that do it um a couple uncles i mean you 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 throw a dart at my family tree you're gonna hit a cosmetologist but i i went to college i went to college i had fun in college maybe a little bit too much fun and you know a little little school sponsored semester off um college algebra kicked my ass severely <laughs> Uh, I ended up in hair school and it was supposed to be like, oh, you know, just do, uh, you know, it lasts your suspension plus a summer. You can go back to school. Mm. <laughs> Never so it was kind of, uh, well, at least get your license so that if nothing works out, you can always do this kind of. It a was a little back. bit of that, but also kind of like, well, keep your, you know, keep your mind in the game of school mm. as opposed mm. to just sitting around, you know, for a semester as a uh 20 year old and all the kinds of trouble you could get into as a 20 year old uh but then it evolved i discovered that it's not just being behind the chair there's so much more involved i uh, got interested in platform work uh education and it just just grew and grew and built from there did you when you first started so because you came from a family of hairdressers did you go through an assistant program or did you just kind of walk right into it. No, 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 no. I definitely went through uh, an assistant program. Uh, my journey was pretty unique. So I, my, my, my mom and my stepdad owned a salon in a little suburb. It was, it was actually opened by my grandfather in the late seventies. And they had that shop while I was going through hair school. And the idea was that I was going to uh graduate get my license and just move straight into working there however they acquired a high-end salon in a very hot area in fort worth right as i was graduating and so i went from i'm gonna work in this little kind of small small town shop into we're going into the big times and i went with my stepdad who was the only person working in that salon at the time and I was laser focused on helping him. Um, he was teaching me. We were walking around, passing out cards, building business. And, you know, I was, was trying to find models and do all that great stuff. Mm -hmm. I did that for about, about six to eight months. And it was just kind of the time I stepped out. I was like, I, we need, you need some more practical work. So I had a friend who I was going to hair school with. 
she had already she had just graduated and she contacted me and said hey i landed this job at this pretty cool uh salon in a mall and they're looking for stylists do you want to come over and i thought about it and i i took it to um took it to my stepdad and my mom and they're like no that's fantastic go there get some hands-on work applied what you learned and then you know at some point you can come back and the cool thing was it was way across town so I could really jack up some hair on that side of town (laughs) and the reputation wouldn't follow me to where (laughs) I was inevitably going to end up. So, um, I did about four months at that mall salon. I had, I worked with some awesome people, about half of them. And then the other half, it was after the third time that I got accused of stealing money out of the register from coworkers. I was like, you know, maybe this isn't the right place to be. And so I just let the manager know the manager was an absolute sweetheart. She, um, she totally understood. And she's like, I don't know why they keep accusing you. We have cameras. We know exactly who's doing it. So, um, but I was like, yeah, I'm kind of tired of that. She's like, I get it. So I, I hit the trail and I went back, back to, um, back to Fort Worth. And I, um, I started my, my kind of, hybrid journey of apprenticing slash taking more on clients with that type of journey would you recommend that to students and new professionals out there right now like would you recommend having going somewhere that's maybe not super high-end and jacking up some haircuts absolutely i am such a supporter and proponent of the best way to learn how to do hair is to do some freaking hair mm-hmm. so yeah i mean do a year at, um, you know, at one of these value-based chains and you will learn a lot. Your timing will be impeccable. Um, and a lot of these chains have some really quality education that they give you all the time. Mm-hmm. And you have a whole team of people because it is kind of that hourly slash commission, you know, it's a, a big team environment and you can lean on your, your coworkers and your teammates to really elevate your career. So I'm a hundred percent behind going somewhere, getting some hands-on skill, and then applying that, you know, in the future, for sure. What would you say to somebody who is in school right now? Because I know that I had this thought process when I was in school. I like for me, and I know that a lot of people that I went to school with, we did not want to go to a chain type place because we thought that we were either going to get stuck there or that it was going to look bad if we tried to go to a higher end salon because we didn't know any better. And yeah. so how would what advice would you give to somebody who maybe in that thought process of like, well, I don't want to go there because I'm afraid I won't be able to do something better, bigger in the future. When you move into like a higher end salon, if you have anything under two to three years experience, you're all you're kind of put on the same level. So even if you do go right out of school, move into one of these places, learn some some decent skills, get some my mic, um, get some hands-on experience, you're still going to be, you're gonna have I, like I don't think you're going to be looked down upon. And if that's the case, don't work at that damn salon, you know, like that's yeah. that's you don't want to be in that toxic environment anyway. So yeah, I say just go out and do it. If it's six months, it's six months. You know, nobody, you know, don't get fired 
during that six months. But if you, you know, there's nothing wrong with like, hey, I went and tried this out. I learned some cool stuff, but I realized it wasn't for me. And I'm looking to elevate my career mm-hmm. as opposed to just digging and digging and digging and trying to get into a super high end salon where it's like so competitive, like yeah. as a newbie. Yeah. So. I think that's a great way to put it too. Like if you are in an interview and they're, you know, why do you want to work here? I'm ready to elevate my career. That's, that's such a great answer just in itself. A hundred percent. I mean, it shows drive, it shows initiative, you know, when we're hiring for new apprentices and assistants in the salon, honestly, I don't give two shits if you can do hair. Like between me and my team, we can train a capuchin monkey to cut hair. <laughs> but I'm looking for initiative. I'm looking for attitude. You can train for skill. You can't train for attitude. So if you go in there 100%. hungry enough, you can, you know, make an impression and, you know, even if you did, you know, even if you were working at that, um, that value-based salon, if you had six months to a year experience, you go into a, a higher end salon, they're going to teach you their way anyway. Mm-hmm. You're just going to have a little bit of a baseline knowledge. So it's not like, oh, wow, you spent a year learning that stuff. You're, oh, we're, we, we can't, we can't have you here. Like, they're, they're, blah, blah, blah. yeah, you don't want to work there anyway. There's many, many roads to success, you know, and and every road is is a different path, but the destination is always the same, and it's your definition of success. And the fuel that powers your little car to get you on that road is your own ability to self-motivate, your attitude towards your hard work, and resilient hard work that's been applied consistently over a long period of time. Mm-hmm. Success does not happen because I was naturally born with it. Oh, you were born with scissors in your hand. No, no, no. You don't see how many late nights I have spent honing my craft, how many days off and weekends that I've spent honing and practicing. They just see the end result. They say, oh, your dad's a great hair treasure and he taught you and oh, you're just, you know, born with scissors in your hand. No, it's a it's a continued, consistent application of effort over a long period of time. And it doesn't matter how you start or, or how that journey is going. Mm-hmm. That's the fuel that gets you to success town. Period. Preach. Definitely. 100%. Yeah. I think it's so important to have that, especially like on a platform like this, it's important to have these continued conversations, especially the both of you come from backgrounds of hairdressers. I, I don't, I come, my parents were in the funeral industry, so very different. And I think it's important to see that both of you still went through the steps that it takes anybody in this industry to become great. There's no shortcuts. There's no, there's no shortcuts at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Whether you, you spend your time in the the penitentiary of learning at a quick service value-based salon, or you go to a really high end corporate salon or you go to an individualistic very artistic you're still going to spend the same amount of time it's just going to you have to pay the price and there's no shortcuts to that doesn't matter where you start or where you go yeah that's a that's 100% um correct you know and you know and I've been kind of accused of a little bit of nepotism here light nepotism but nepotism here and there but I tell you what <laughs> nobody is harder on you as a boss than your parents are yeah, yeah. You know, like I, people like, oh, you've got a cush. I'm like, you kidding me? Like my stepdad has fired me so many times and my mother has just like 
rehired me on the spot. Like I can't get a job anywhere. My work history looks like shit, you know, hired, fired, <laughs> hired, fired. So, and yeah. And you just, you know, there's, there's no sugarcoating, whatever they say to you. I always said, I hated having bosses. So that's why I work for my parents. And while that's kind of true, it's kind of a pain in the ass to work for your parents. Yeah. But you know, the, I think that the, the benefits outweigh the, the risk and yeah, and I, I wouldn't have changed it for anything. As hard as it is to work for parents who fire you at the end of the day and tell you that they'll give you a shot again tomorrow and you make the best of it. I mean, it ultimately, they care. They care about your success. And they have a vested interest in your success. And any good salon owner that is worth their salt will have that same vested interest in you. So that's what you should be looking for when you're going out. It should not necessarily be name recognition, you know, how fancy a salon, how much they charge. I want an owner that cares and has a vested interest in my success. Mm -hmm. That's where I'll make it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Definitely. I, I want to talk a little bit because Richard is so popular, especially on TikTok right now. And your content is like by far some of my absolute favorite, absolute favorite, yeah. like anywhere on any platforms. It makes me laugh so hard anytime I see any of it. Mm. And like, if I am having a bad day, I go watch a Richard, like TikTok, Instagram reels, like <laughs> they're hands down like the best. And if, if everyone listening does not go follow Badly Shaved Ape on Instagram and TikTok, whatever your preferred platform is, like you are missing out major. But I think it's so interesting because you went to cosmetology school during a time where marketing yourself was extremely different than what we have today with social media. and. I think that it's important to talk about those things as hairdressers because with the uprising of social and the power that it has behind it today, I still, I personally truly believe that some of those old school marketing techniques are still hands down a key part of building a solid clientele. And I, I would love to have your input on how you marketed yourself then to how you're doing it now. Yeah, for sure. You know, I, um, as kind of an exennial uh, myself, you know, I grew up in the analog world, but was able to quickly adopt to the more technical and digital world. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I remember the, I remember the days of the, we had the rotary phone when I grew up, you know, <laughs> uh, and I know, I know, I remember <laughs> I remember trying to to call into radio stations or on the TV, like call this one eight hundred number real quick. Yes. It's fucking taking forever. God. Did you miss the last digit? You 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 exactly. misdial it. Ah, I gotta start, I start over. all over. Hang it up. But you know, and I I think that I think that gives you know that that little micro generation you know a, a pretty pretty interesting outlook on this whole you know social media um, marketing aspect because I can, I can do what I do on social media, but then I turn right around and, and I've got kind of a blend of both. And I think that's ultimately what it has to be. Mm -hmm. You know, one thing that I did kind of in my, um, in my early days, you know, we had just opened the salon in a really hot area in Fort Worth and we had to market it. So my stepdad and I, my stepdad and I, we hit the streets you know, we walked down the street, there were businesses, there were, um, 
restaurants and we'd walk in and we'd have a cup of coffee somewhere and we'd you know chat up the the server and be like hey i'd love to do your hair here's here's a card we're still passing out cards there was no so myspace wasn't even around yet mm -hmm. and we just kept doing that then it came to a point to where okay well now it's actually trying to let's find ourselves some clients instead of just hoping and wishing so i would walk into a restaurant and i would find the host and with that host, I would go up to them and say, hey, you've got, you know, a, you look like you have a fun personality. You know, your hair is the type of hair that I want to do. Oh, by the way, I do hair right up the street. Here's my business card. I'd like to do your hair for free. And instantly they perk up. So you get them into the salon, you do their hair for free, cut color, you know, something that you want to do. You know, if if you don't want to specialize in corrective color, don't go out there and get your corrective color client. Yep. But, you know, a simple highlight haircut, you know, uh, find that model, do it, and then be like, okay, here's the deal. I'm giving you the stack of business cards. And when you, when people inevitably ask, and this is why I love a host at a restaurant, is because they see every person walking yep. into that door. Yep. Uh, and they, and they, and that's the the first thing that they see, the the customer sees walking into that restaurant is the host. So the host has to be, has to be looking the best. You know, you don't see a host with their hair pulled up or, you know, all sweaty and nasty. That's the surfers, right? Mm -hmm. So when inevitably somebody asks, and especially like a, a good lunch rush, you know, you're looking for that business crowd. Somebody asks, oh my God, I love your hair they hand them a business card and yeah. that has their name on the back of it. So they bring that client comes into uh, your salon and you have now, you know, that, that host, that model, that little soldier in your army, that's one. So you do three, five, whatever you want to be able to maintain them getting free hair. And that's how we did it old school. Now you can do it with freaking QR codes, right? Yeah. Now it's all about data harvesting. So same situation, modern times, uh, that host, somebody compliments, they're like, hey, scan this. And they scan it, and it's like a pretty simple form of contact information. So now you have the ability to contact that client, as opposed to waiting on them, waiting around to contact you. You can now send them an email. You can send them a text saying, hey, I've got some openings. I'd love to meet you. How about a complimentary uh, color consultation? Get them into, get their butts into your chair, mm -hmm. talk them up, do your thing. Boom. You've got a client. That's uh that's one thing that, that we did marketing wise. And I feel like that holds up today. No, for sure. And yeah, like, that's, I mean, yeah. that's do the same thing. thing just that QR code. You kidding me? Like, especially yeah. coming post COVID, you know, I think so many people are looking for more of that personal connection, mm -hmm. you know? Like, I know we went hard digitally during COVID. I get yeah. it. It made sense, but we went hard. <laughs> yeah. And now I think it's time to kind of bring it back a little bit. You know, let's let's get into the get into the world a little bit. People want to get out there and yeah. meet people face to face. And so this is a great way for you to market that way. You know, sometimes I'll I'll go and I'll be scrolling through, you know, a stylist Instagram and it's just you know, wavy balayage, wavy balayage, wavy balayage. I half expect to like stare at it, right? And like see like a giraffe or something poke out like an old school <laughs> magic eye picture. You know, that's kind of what it looks like to me. I'm like, man, like how can this? You There's just get something lost subliminal going on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's wild. <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair to the the balayage beach wave, if that's your specialty, then then granted, that's all you're going to do. 
it does yeah, get a and, tedious. And, and yeah, and if that's all you want to do, you know, that's why I I stopped posting hair pictures. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I think in today's day and age, you can assume that you can walk into, if not all, but most salons and get a good quality service. You know, with education how it is now, um, people are learning a lot and they can do a lot. Uh-huh. So it's almost kind of like, yeah, it doesn't really matter where I go. I'm sure I can get something, right? So instead of marketing your hair school skills, I think you need to market your personality. Like I want to, I want people to be able to come in and hang out with me for two to three hours. Like I want them to yeah. be comfortable with that. So always, that's why I highlight my personality on, on, um, on socials. Absolutely. I always say in like in the social education that we do with scissor and moss social, we always tell people like the best thing to do is to blend to, you know, blend your hair stuff with your personality. Because at the end of the day, if a client is going to come onto your page, Instagram, TikTok, whatever your preferred platform is, and all they see is back of the heads, how do they know that they're actually going to get along with you? You may do beautiful hair, but is this some one, is this a client you want in your chair? Yeah. But it how do you know if you're gonna if you're gonna vibe, if there's gonna be a good connection there? If if they're if you're giving nothing on social except the back of the head. Um so a question for you with social media in particular, if you are looking at something that is more personality-based and less work-based, do you feel like there's a point in someone's career with 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 their clientele that they've already built that they can transition or do you think that even someone who's brand new can go all personality no hair i mean i think i mean it's definitely to good especially right at the beginning you don't have a lot of hair content it might be all personality you know mm-hmm. so that's how you kind of have to start and then you can start blending in i think you have to blend you know, start that blend when you can mm-hmm. and then and then start to work your way up and then just see what gets more traction. You know, at that point, yeah. you can have, you know, looking at the analytics like, oh, the the personality stuff is actually bringing more people into my DMs versus the hair stuff. Yeah. And then just kind of um, kind of lean on that and, and focus on going from there. Yeah. Yeah. The key point in that determining which one's working is. How many real people are you having make it into the salon? Not just how many views or likes or shares or whatever. How many people actually ask you about doing exactly exactly client coming in? Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. I think I think a lot of people right now, and this is just based off of the people who are in our DMs asking questions and what the conversations we're having is. I think a lot of people are too focused on view counts. Mm-hmm. and and their analytics versus mm-hmm. the actual the actual turnover that you're looking for which is mm-hmm. are people booking appointments are people coming in and sitting in your chair are people mm-hmm. paying your prices and are you attracting the right people that that you want as clients and yeah. the hair that you want to do yeah. and i think a lot of people are missing that point right now because they're so focused on well i got a million views or this or that but yeah. but is it doing what you're wanting it to do mm-hmm. what's yeah. your goal Focusing on what success is. It's mm-hmm. not just the view count. It's me making money working behind the chair. Yeah. So Richard, when when did you kind of have this moment of I'm gonna make I'm gonna make 
fun content. I'm going to change my content to be something that I enjoy making. What was that? What was that moment in your brain that that clicked? Yeah, it was. Um, it was actually when I discovered TikTok, and I was aware of TikTok and what it was, but I was like, ah, that's just what them them kids are doing these days. I don't yeah. know. Very, very uh, get off my lawn type of moment that I had. But I discovered TikTok. Um, I'm sure y'all can recall the big Texas blackout that we yeah. had in February 21. Yeah, that's uh, the only thing we had for entertainment for about 24 hours were our cell phones <laughs> and like no heat in the house. It's a zero degrees outside. Me and the whole family were huddled around the fire. We were, you know, we were um, we were playing board games, but that quickly devolved. Um, it got a little Lord of the Flies moment for a minute. They're like, all right, everybody. <laughs> Take a step back, you know, <laughs> grab your devices. It's yeah. fine. Um, and then that's kind of where I discovered TikTok. And I saw the kind of content that people were making. And I was like, I can do something like this. And then I started creating a little bit like humorous, educational type things. And mm -hmm. then that kind of moved on to a little bit like behind the scenes of a hairdresser type thing. Yes. And I was doing a lot of that before I really discovered other creators kind of doing the same thing. I didn't think I was unique by any means, but yeah. I didn't know it was so, um, there was such a plethora of that kind of content. Yeah. And I really kind of, I really kind of, of, of dug into that and, and yeah, I really started blending a lot of the personality, um, you know, kind of back behind the scenes of a hairdresser, wild stuff that happens in the salon, a little bit of client, you know, content. I really don't, I'm not the big, like the Karen videos and stuff. I know some people have a lot of success for that. Good for them, but that's not really my, my vibe. And then I did start putting a little bit of hair stuff into there, but in kind of my own way of like filming an actual hair video, which I've done a lot in the past and just like flip my camera on its side to film it vertically, which mm -hmm. is something that I had to get very, very used to. Yeah. Um, I've been, I've been very pro landscape view for a long time, but TikTok kind of changed that for me. Totally. <laughs> yeah. I, I have to say, like, I know I already said it, but it is some of the most hilarious content <laughs> that you make. It is so funny and it's so relatable. And I, I do have to say, like, personally, I do so appreciate that you don't come from this, like, kind of, downing the client a little bit like I feel like everything you do is like pretty positive and it's never really client negative um which I do appreciate because there is a lot of that Karen type you know being negative on the client stuff out there which totally works for some people but I feel like when we start being really negative to our clients like it it kind of puts you in a different viewpoint as, as a professional, I think. Oh, for sure. You just, you almost, you know, since you're putting so much of that out, that's almost kind of what you get back. Yeah. You know, it's almost like, like, oh, you know, as a potential client, I'm like, oh, well, maybe I go see so-and-so they make all this Karen stuff. Maybe I can act, you know, like an ass <laughs> so much that I could be the subject of one of those videos one day. Yeah. Like, I don't absolutely not like i want to hang out with fun people like totally. i don't want to i want to attract the people that will i can have a good time with for two hours and 
you know, and we can vibe with. And that's yeah. that's what I want. To, ooh, I don't know about that other stuff. See, I'd yeah. always be afraid that that Karen client sees that video and says, that's me. Yeah. That <laughs> son of a, I can't believe it. Oh, and then there's the bad Yelp review. Yep. Another one just oh, add it to the pile. Add it to the 100%. Pile. Yeah. <clears throat> I love, uh, I saw the first video uh, that uh, Annie had sent to me of yours where you were talking about a client coming in late and you're going to stay late and you're like, fine. And then they changed their mind on the color and you're like, well, we're already here. <laughs> then they were not going to get a haircut, but now they want a full haircut and you're like, fine. And a treatment. I'm, okay. Okay. We'll do the treatment. Then when you go to pay, this is your price. And she says, I'm not paying anything. The audacity <laughs> of this person. <laughs> That's my wife. Oh, okay. I got it. <laughs> I thought that was brilliant. Um, yeah. I, uh, you know, and a lot of my, and this is a, a big thing, you know, you get inspired so much from other creators and, you know, and I, I came across um, a video very similar and they were talking about, they made like a cutting board or something and kind of the same situation at the end, it was their wife, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, so yeah, I, you know, I did, you know, influence heavily. And of course I tagged that person in the, in the, mm -hmm. uh, in the description, but at the same time, like that's happened. Like I've stayed after work so many times to either do like, I'm going in the salon tomorrow on my day off a week before Christmas to cut my brother <laughs> and my nephew's hair. Like, it's just something that we do, you know, and it's mm -hmm. kind of irritating, but it's just something that we do. I'd almost rather do that than him coming in during salon hours and taking away yeah potential like business you know i don't make my family members pay uh, i know some people do that's fine all depends on what christmas gift they give you you know come <laughs> on a, let's keep it real there's that's a running fair. tally that's a running tally. that is 100 percent <laughs> fair um but you know and I, I see those situations from you know other creators doing something and i'm like oh my god i can apply that directly to my industry or to a personal experience mm -hmm. that I've been through. And then you create that content and you, you know, you, you tag the creator, you know, you use their sound, maybe some way to give them the recognition. I wish there was a better way to do it through TikTok, but mm -hmm. it is what it is. And, um, and then, yeah, you, you know, and then other people will be like, oh my God, that's happened to me, you know? And then, you know, hopefully they do go back and look at the previous video to give that, um, that creator a little bit of the love too, but yeah, you know, it's just kind of how the, the, the TikTok reels thing kind of works. So totally. How it's go ahead. Oh, oh no, you go. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, it's always kind of difficult to try to manage one social media account. Well, let alone trying to do two or three or four. So, you know, I would recommend someone that's starting focus on one, just pick one yes. and just put all your energy into that one. Absolutely. Diversify too much. I would absolutely agree with that. I think that's the best thing until you get really comfortable with one platform mm -hmm. and whatever that platform is, like there is no right or wrong. Like whatever your platform of choice is, yeah. one, make sure that your clients are there. So whatever platform you are choosing, make sure that your clients mm -hmm. are on it. Yeah. Um, but just focus on the one. And then when you get really comfortable with the one, then maybe bring in another one because it is overwhelming, yeah. especially in the beginning. If you're trying to like build a portfolio or however you're trying to work on yeah. social media professionally. Yeah, that's 100% true and you know, one thing that I found is that, you know, if especially if you're if you're looking to, you know, speak to brands and speak to um, you know, some of these more industry um, 
magazines, we'll call them because there's only a couple mm-hmm. of real magazines left, but yeah. some of these online magazines is that, you know, they're pretty heavily Instagram focused, but of course they've been, yeah. they've been digging that hole mm-hmm. of building that following for so long. And a few of them are, you could tell it's like, oh, cute. They're trying to get into TikTok, you know, and they, <laughs> they try something you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. cute. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I'd say either one, you know, and then the cool thing is, is that you know, if, if, if done right, you can use the same content on both apps. It's just, um, it's just kind of figuring out the right way to, you know, cross post without being, um, dragged through the mud about it by the, by the, uh, content moderators, uh, the algorithm and stuff. So, absolutely. Um, I, I would, I would suggest that of all of them, please, whatever you do, don't start a MySpace account. That's, oh, that's no more. No more. Let it go. Tom was my <laughs> first friend. <laughs> Tom was our, all of our first friends. Tom was all of our first friends. He was such a whore. What's he Tom liked everything. What's Tom? Yeah, he could only afford a small island in the Caribbean. Hey, you all that MySpace you gotta, money. You gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> go so, ahead, Richard, Andy. so your salon has an assistant program in it. That's correct. Yes. Correct. Yes. So as somebody who has an assistant program, when you're looking at new hires, do you look at their social media as a part of their hiring process? Yes, but not in the way that you would think like, oh, like what kind of hair can they do? You know, we go on and we check out, you know, you know, we don't try to delve too much into their private lives, but we kind of want to know a little bit more about the personality and kind of the antics of the mm-hmm. of whoever we're hiring. And, you know, a lot of people literally just started an Instagram right when they um, started hair school, mm-hmm. like they weren't involved in it before. And I don't know if they maybe just started it or if they do have like a super secret private one. And that's fine. You know, whatever handle they give us, you know, we'll we'll kind of scope that out. But uh, yeah, we kind of want to know, like, how much drama are you going to bring in? You know, like, what's, you know, what's, 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 what's going to do? You, you know, oh, your, you know, your, your automobile is, is, you know, in the shop every week, you know, for whatever reason, <laughs> like, that could be a problem, you know, so we do a little bit like, like I said, I don't care if you can do hair or not, I will train you mm-hmm. to do hair. But I, I kind of want to know kind of what we're getting into personality wise and dependency totally. wise too absolutely do you do you use the like their social media platforms at all to like is that a requirement in your salon because i know that there are some salons out there that social media is a requirement as a part of like their assistant programs or any kind of like marketing that they do it's really not um we have we have a pretty strong social media presence in the salon um, but I'd say half of our stylists don't have, don't really post to social media, at least not hair wise. They might have a personal one, but we don't, we don't, we don't require that to be employed by us. Like we don't, we don't really push that. We encourage it, mm-hmm. but it's definitely not, you know, and you know, if somebody posts, you know, if one of our stylists posts something and tags the salon, we'll, you know, we'll repost it through our, you know, our stories or, you know, onto our, our Instagram page if, you know, but we'll ask them like, Hey, do you mind if we post this? And, and yeah, so we'll feature them, you know, anytime that we can and that they want to, but we don't, we don't harvest any kind of pictures or anything from them. We, we let it go 
pretty organically in that in that sense. That's really cool. I because the salon there are there are some salons out there of you know just people that I know that they they're very adamant about it. Like you need to have a social media presence. You need to be posting. You need to be marketing yourself on social media. Um, what other type of ways do you market, especially newer stylists, like in your salon of social isn't like a super. For salon. sure. We, um we have a, and it's growing, but we have a small kind of model base. Mm -hmm. if that makes any sense. So we've, you know, we've had people contact us before, um, you know, they might not be anywhere close to being able to afford to actually come to the salon, but we keep their name, their email and their phone number handy because we let them know that, hey, we've got these, you know, kids coming up that are always looking to practice, you know, a new skill or maybe they're we're having a class and a live model would be best. And if you're pretty open to with what you're, you know, with with what your hair ends up as like. This could be a, a very good thing. And so it might just be, you know, for some things, it might just be cost of the product used that mm -hmm. the client would have to pay. So it could be 25 bucks to cover the color that we used. Mm -hmm. But the, our, our apprentice slash assistant is getting that hands-on knowledge, not only with the physical skills, but also with the soft skills. They're going through a consultation. Yeah. They're going through, you know, they're they're learning small talk. You wouldn't believe how many people don't know how to make small talk these days. And they don't have the words so, for it. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. So they are, you know, they're learning all these different skills. And we have this, you know, this little group of, of models and we're always adding to it. You know, we're meeting people. Uh, it could be, you know, um, sometimes it's a lot of, like former clients that have been with us for quite a while, but maybe we've kind of priced ourselves out of their budget, yeah. you know, uh, you know, maybe they started with one of us when we were fresh and green and now it's been five, six years later, they would still love to come here, but it's just not quite in their budget. Yeah. And so, you know, we kind of, we kind of pass those clients down to the newer people, still keep them in the shop, keep definitely some of that income, mm -hmm. but, but allow the, the young, the young hungry kids to, uh, to eat as well. Yeah. That's a pretty cool thing that we like to do. That yeah, That's that, that right. There is one of the things that I feel like is really becoming uh, lost within the sea of booth rental type salons is the ability to pass a client down mm -hmm. and then, you know, make sure that the person coming up has some simile of skill uh, of a certain type of training, a certain philosophy that they got from being trained in that environment. So it's not too different as they go down, maybe not as refined, but that's that's a, a very solidly built in clientele for the salon that can be passed down from generation to generation to generation of stylists. And in a booth rental situation, that's hard to do. So mm -hmm. I would not necessarily encourage people to start out going right for a rental. That's another thing, another advantage for going into a place that can actually train you and you can be a part of the crew and a part of the environment that grows. You can grow faster that way. Absolutely. 100%. I totally agree. What piece of advice would you give yourself now back to yourself as a brand new hairdresser? That's a great question. Holy crap. I don't think anybody's ever asked me this before. This is a good one. Buy Bitcoin. Yeah, that's for <laughs> sure. Um, I would probably have to say be be a little bit more open into like expanding certain skills. 
Like, I am terrible at special event styling updos. Like, it is not my thing. And I've been doing hair so long, I don't know if it could be my thing at this point. <laughs> but, you know, I see some people like Noogie Tai and just what this kid can do. I say kid, he's my age. What he can do with hair. And I'm just like, it's it blows my mind. Yeah. And I, I, I'd like to think that I have enough free time in my life that I could build those skills. But at this rate, oh, I don't know. I just kind of almost am kind of stuck in this, you know, this this cut color, you know, um, thing that I have going. And I don't see anything wrong with it. You know, it's paying my bills and I'm having mm -hmm. a great time doing it. But, you know, be more open to expand my skills and other areas, I think would probably be my number one piece of advice that I would give to myself for sure. So if I'm in beauty school today and I come to you and I see you at a, at a, a, a event or a function and I ask for advice on how do I get started in my career, what, what path would you recommend and suggest that someone in beauty school try to set their sights upon and follow? Okay. I'd say number one, while still in beauty school, is find a mentor or two. Now, it yes. doesn't have to be um, like a, a Robert Cromines or any of these, you know, crazy high big wigs. I mean, Robert Cromines as a mentor is a, a good solid bet anyway. But I'm just saying it doesn't have to be these super high end um, rock star hairdressers you know find somebody who find a local business local salon owner that's killing it you know and send them an e send them an email or whatever and be like hey i'm so and so i'm in beauty school i'd love to pick your brain a little bit you know could i you know communicate with you through email or text or whatever if i have you know any questions or anything mm -hmm. like nine times out of ten most salon owners are gonna be like hey Welcome to the industry. I'd love to, you know, give you some advice. Mm -hmm. So find a mentor or two. Yep. Um, and then while still in beauty school, I like to tell, because I taught beauty school for about 18 months, about 10 years ago. It's about, about all I could handle. Like, don't, <laughs> don't get me wrong. <laughs> I love like the every, military. Yeah. Thank you for your service. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, it was uh, the, the, the teaching aspect, the students, all of that. I loved it was kind of the, the corporate environment that I didn't realize was mm -hmm. kind of there, the being micromanaged and stuff. That's what drove me far, far away. But, you know, I would, I would tell the kids there, I'm like, Hey, make a friend or two, but not a best friend. Like you want to be, yes. You want to be amicable with everybody. So be everybody's like general positive acquaintance. <laughs> you know, that that'll keep you out of the drama. That will keep you um out of the, you know, all the stuff that you hear that is the worst part of beauty school. Um, a bit of desecration. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And 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 this is where I this is where I tell the kids that I'm like, look, you know. Don't go so hard on trying to be the best hairdresser coming out of beauty school okay. because you will never be the best hairdresser coming out of beauty school. Beauty school is there to teach you how to get your license. Exactly. And everything after that, that's when the real learning begins. So, you know, those, those three little pieces of advice I would, and, and that, you know, and that helps to put those 
put those um, kids kind of on the level where I think they should be, you know, while in beauty school. A, don't take it too seriously. Make some friends, find a mentor, mm-hmm. and just try to have fun because it's it's essentially a full-time job that you have to pay to be at. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, if, if you start thinking of it like that, it'll be a little less, you know, um, sweaty armpit inducing, like dealing with it all. So now when you were in beauty school, since you had already had a little bit of, of insight into the industry, what's the worst hair disaster you've seen or done yourself? I, I cut somebody's ear off. Like a large piece of it or a little Pretty bit? large. It required oh. seven, it required seven stitches. Oh no. Oh, yeah. wow. it was, uh, that sucked. <laughs> so, really you never sucked. forget that. You never no, forget no. That and, and my coworkers never let me forget it either. <laughs> Especially my stepdad. Um, <laughs> no, it was, uh, it was, it was probably about I'm trying to think my kids weren't born yet. It's probably about 12 years ago. Mm. Mm. and i was doing a kind of short cropped haircut and i was doing a little scissor over comb and i was coming kind of right back here you know Mm -hmm. scissors coming this way Mm -hmm. and i was working this little area of the nape and i was using a seven inch scissor big you know hedge clippers Mm -hmm. and i was so focused on like the the actual you know first inch of where it was cutting that i didn't look at where the pivot was and it was like, like I, I created, you know, when you, when you, when you cut your finger, you create a little C. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. This is a big ass C mm-hmm. on her earlobe. Oh, no. And I just grabbed it. Like, like I cut it and I grabbed it. And I'm like, cause like I was cutting, I cut and I suddenly felt resistance. I'm like, damn it. I knew exactly what it was. Uh, my coworker at the time, I was like, Hey, Tyler, go get me a towel. He's like, what do you need a towel for Richard? I'm like, just go get me a towel. It's about to be a lot of blood and like the his he just went white and he ran to the back and we took her to the back we took her to the urgent care it was fine her wife is a nurse and you know it's kind of coaching us through it all and oh boy but here's the thing she came back later that day had to finish the haircut oh yeah oh, yeah yeah and she, and came, she came back well hell yeah she had half a haircut yeah oh, shit. we didn't charge her of she course. continued to come back and see me for about like they they moved to uh, Arizona maybe like two years later. She came back and saw me every like six weeks. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like that's a testament to because like I've I've done all kinds of things in the industry and I was waxing and there was a slip of the digit incident one time and I I truly believe it is how you react to the situation that will make the client come back or never see you again and that's it's not so much the skill it's sometimes just the reaction to how you handle things that's you know it's it's you 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 sometimes you can't control the actions but you can control your reactions exactly and that's super important yes for sure absolutely (laughs) oh lord oh lord do you live near a fuzzy's tacos I I grew up eating at the original Fuzzy's Tacos. Oh my god, I love Fuzzy's Tacos so you, much. So the original creator of Fuzzy's, because the tattoo shop that I used to go to a lot was two doors down from the original Fuzzy's. Is and that the one in the university the district yes, with yes. the purple margaritas? Correct. Yeah. 
else. It's it's not it's not the same though anymore. Like the original. Oh. Like because I can be like, hey, I could be all hoity-toity about it because I've been to the original. But the original creator of Fuzzies opened another restaurant that was two doors down from our original location at our salon. It's oh, called the cool. Yucatan Taco Stand, and it's like Fuzzies elevated. It's uh, so good. It's so good. Anytime that I am in Dallas, I am like we have to go to a fuzzies <laughs> and i always buy like a giant thing of hot sauce to bring yeah home yeah with me. hot sauce is bomb oh my yeah. god it's the best if, if you're ever in town hit me up and we'll go to yucatan taco stand and they have the same sauce because it's yes. the it's the same original uh there it goes it's the same original creator all right so that brings us to the end of another fabulous podcast uh we'd like to thank mr richard for coming by and sharing some time and sharing some insight and knowledge with us and uh, please give us a review on iTunes and check us out on Spotify as well. Give us a thumbs up and a like and subscribe and we will see you all next time. I'm Russell Mays with my host. Annie MacArthur. There we go. And we will see you guys next time. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.